This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Today on Vulnerable, I sit down with the incomparable multidisciplinary artist, actress, singer, dancer, Allison Stoner. She is also the co-founder of Movement Genius, an author, a podcast host. She has a YouTube channel and obviously so much more. She can do anything. But you may have first been introduced to Allison when she was gracing our screens as a child actor. She is known for her roles in Cheaper by the Dozen, Cheaper by the Dozen 2, Sweet Life and Zack and Cody, Camp Rock, Camp Rock 2, and the Step Up franchise from 2006 to 2014. Allison and I discuss a lot from our first episode that we did. We tackled a lot of things that we wanted to continue to unpack as well as inform you guys about where we are at in terms of building up a conversation that may result into advocating for children's rights in the industry and abroad. So I'm grateful for Allison's honesty and work to support others in their daily lives. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Vulnerable. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. Oh, I am so happy to be here. I have been looking forward to this. I mean, this is the entire reason why my podcast exists, is to have conversations like the one I've previously had with Miss Allison Stoner, but also the continued conversation to check in with her and to grow the message and, and, and let you guys know that like we've been in touch with each other since our first meeting and we've been almost like a network of two <laughs> going strong <laughs> and we on our own have been dividing and not quite conquering but organizing mm -hmm. and doing the work i think and sometimes doing the work when it comes to something that you're really passionate about means doing the work on yourself first so that you can be a good representation of that message. Mm -hmm. And I just want to take a side note to say, like, I think Allison is a huge inspiration for me because, like, mentally, mm -hmm. I feel very kindred to her, almost like it's, it's, it's almost, like, scary that I love her so much because I'm like, <laughs> I just do. I think we're bonding yeah. in really healthy ways. And it's really wonderful to have her on. So here she is again. Thanks for having me. My most popular podcast. Oh, cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That just healed some young part of me in school that had no one to sit next to. <laughs> You're sitting next to me today. <laughs> and I look like a hot teacher, she says. Yeah. So. Doesn't she look like a sexy teacher? Hot teacher. Thank you. Yeah. It's because I, I just wanted to wear the shirt 
I'm wearing a white shirt and black glasses. And I just thought, you know, I mean business. You do. <laughs> and I'm going to take you seriously. Yeah. And if a clip of this interview ever gets extracted and used elsewhere, they can't say that we looked disheveled, <laughs> which is why I put eyeliner on today. Yes, absolutely. Because we might be digging into topics that get really frantic, but... Let's get frantic. You know... People love chaos. <laughs> Let's start with that, actually. Okay. People and the tea. Yes. Like, come on, guys. I have tried for my entire career to be the antithesis of chaos and tea because I'm nervous that people won't take me seriously if and when I do need to exclaim something more fervently, if that makes sense. Like, it's a little bit of the, I think, Boy Who Cries Wolf, where I'm like, I don't want to be associated with too much drama because if and when I want to speak up about something, I really need you to listen and to trust that I'm stable enough to be delivering this message. So I, like, avoid, you know, at my own expense of being able to just share candidly, I, like, try to stay contained. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I know about you that people don't and yes and they don't not but not everybody gets that privilege right yeah and that's okay I think there's definitely what I'm learning from serving an algorithm in my content you know I I really do have a hard time with pandering yes and being a content creator yeah and like so much of my I guess whatever demo they're like do the thing do the thing do yeah. the thing no do the, the gimmick thing. Dance, monkey or tell dance. the tell the secrets. Tell the secrets. Yeah. Or better yet, what's the conspiracy? Right. Lately, since we've been starting to speak up, I was going to ask you before. I can't wait to hear where you're going. Well, have people been saying things to you like, uh, "I sure hope that you're safe." Totally. Because you know what happened to so and so when they started talking. Right. And I sure hope that you're going to be okay. Let's protect her. And I'm like, this is not, like, helpful. Mm -mm. Well, I guess it's easy and actually, I think, convenient to create conspiracy theories. You know, you hear about Illuminati. You hear about the different rings. And I actually, I don't know if they exist, but in my 20 years have never personally encountered them. I suppose I know people who have had really difficult experiences, and there is a systemic factor here. However, I'm not being silenced. As far as I know, there is no threat over my life directly from any kind of studio. There was no hush money that I've encountered. You didn't have any NDAs. I haven't. I do know, of course, other people have. So I understand how that can escalate to people assuming and trying to piece things together. Like, oh, they must all be struggling behind the scenes and fighting against the big beast. And for me, I'm like, that's actually a disservice to the mission because when you just try to isolate one bad person or, you know, one bad actor, you're missing that this entire system is organized in a certain way that affects everyone involved and we all have to reorganize and shift. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Plain as day for me, <laughs> okay, but great. apparently not for other people. So what do you do about the conspiracy side? Well, I my husband is a former Marine, and he's extremely mm. protective over me. I, I've always felt very good about our marriage because I feel protected mm. for the first time, I think, in my life wow. from somebody who's not financially benefiting. Mm. And I feel like he 
you know, has my back essentially. So like my mind goes to, well, do you know who my husband is kind of mentality? But it's like, Mm. I I have a hard time with it actually. Mm. It's very hard because, you know, I've got these kids and I have like, have anxiety actually um, from like bringing my kids to like the park. Shoot, it's so early to get this emotional. (laughs) Well, I have anxiety going anywhere with my kids if it's just me. For a long time, I would only take them places like if I had somebody with me or I'd have to wait or just not go to do things with them. And now you just got to understand that like I'm the mom that really wants to show up and like have community Mm -hmm. and have all the things that I didn't have. You know, I never could be on team sports because I could never show up for anything. And like even in college, like dance team was like, yeah, sorry, you're great, but like we can't have you. Right. And so for me, I was like just missing that. And so now I'm a mom and like a mom community awaits me and I show up as much as possible. And that's my own journey because if I over show up, it's not sustainable either. Mm -hmm. But I understand where I'm at with that, right? And it feeds me in a lot of really good ways for me to have my girls feel that presence in their life and that structure. But my well-being is definitely, I get scared. I get scared in not even that I'm going to be approached because like I freaking love my fans are the best like I love them mm-hmm. but more or less like my safety I guess mm. yeah and also like I think I was raised in a system of fear like my mom right we were go to auditions in New York City because like I grew up in the yeah. 90s in New York City like yeah. before Disney was in Times LA, Square right and mm. I would go and my mom would just like like hold my hands so tight and she would be telling me things about things I didn't need to know about. And we'd take subways and, you know, it was really scary. It was a sacrifice for sure just to get to the audition. <laughs> right. I know. So, yeah, okay. So that here was, we are. Here we are. Where are we going now? You tell me. Well, I'm curious around safety. Do you think that your view of the world and your sense of safety has been shaped by your experience in the industry and it sounds like sometimes it's over maybe like overdoing it I also know that in other ways I probably have a reckless side as well because I was maybe more protected by a security guard than someone else was so I might actually feel more okay experimenting with something that would otherwise be like yeah don't don't do that yeah so I'm curious like what how it how do you understand safety now and what kind of version of safety are you wanting to instill in your children about the world? This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Sorry, that was a lot. It's amazing. I know we're only like 10 minutes in. No, it's so (laughs) thick and so juicy. Here's your tea, bitches. Yeah. Um, We need to have levity, honestly, because it helps Mm -hmm. me think. Because I have so many of these thoughts going through and... Really, like Allison and a few others 
are the first conversations of me being able to be understood and heard by a peer who's been dealing with some of the same stuff. So when you grow up fearful, I guess for your life, I mean, like how many times did you get ex-convicts or people in jail yes. actually writing you letters saying they like love your work? And, and like, please sign this so it helps them with bail money. Yeah. So my dad, he's passed, but like his name was Tony Romano. And like he was very much... I want to say there's some similarities with my my husband in this way and that he was very protective of me and he was like in charge of my security and everything. So he eventually took that role. But he actually went down to Florida one time. Okay, this was when I was in Beauty and the Beast. I was about 18 and somebody was writing me a letter and he would intercept all my fan mail that I didn't even know I was getting. Right. He would intercept it and I guess somebody was saying some crazy stuff. And my dad, without my knowledge, went down to Florida and had a talk uh, with this guy or something. Yeah. And Tony. he was a bad dude. Yeah. I mean, my dad did a lot of things wrong. Mm. Um, but I knew that I was in sort of like these hands of a person that would do anything reckless mm -hmm. or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times my dad would try to help me through traditional means. So like, for example... Like, I had a relationship with somebody who was trying to blackmail me when we were breaking up, and my dad had to get involved. Wow. And we ended up, like, talking to the FBI. Oof. I'm not even, okay, if I put that on, people are going to think I'm fucking crazy, so fuck off. You know what? <laughs> like, fuck off. It's, if you're not there and you don't understand the layers, I assure you, it's better to just listen with curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> Okay, so let's go back to security. I think experiencing certain things like that do kind of eventually make you feel like you don't trust your own agency. And that also leads me to think about protecting your kid's sense of safety. You know, that is a part of your role as a parent or guardian. And I think of the conditions we experienced on sets or in industry environments and I think a lot of parents had really loving and good intentions and and did try to protect their kids, but simply, like, didn't know what to expect on a set. I mean, Allison, we had a call from somebody that we connected with about something on a set that happened to their child. Yes. And we won't go into details, but, you know, I, sh I sure hope that that parent is doing better. We hope that that was rectified, especially after, you know, we were sought out for our thoughts, and I felt like I gave my best. But with there being no blueprint and there being no actual foundation yet, it becomes a little hard for us. We're a little like uh, our hands are a bit tied other than just us talking about our experience. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But Well, and I did share several techniques oh, good. that were therapeutically informed, you know, as friendly suggestions, not clinical advice, of course. And I said, you know, really, the first thing that you have to focus on is just reestablishing a sense of safety. Right. And until the young person's mind and body feels safe enough to relax, you will continue encountering this frozen fight-or-flight response. So I recently listened to What Happened to You. I've cited it before. But What Happened to You is an amazing book for folks with childhood trauma. Mm. Oprah, and they have an amazing doctor on it as well his findings, his teachings, his techniques, and then Oprah sharing about her, you know, growing up 
in poverty in the mm. South and, you know, with her grandmother raising her mm. and it, it was really moving. And I'm, I'm trying to get my husband to listen to it so that he can access mm. empathy for me because he's the type of person that's like, let's pull up ourselves from their bootstraps, yes. you know, and I respect that. And we are finding ourselves through that conversation. Yep, totally. <laughs> he's learning because I do think like we represent our daughter's futures with, you know, these, a lot of people are dealing with as parents right now, especially millennial parents, generational trauma. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're being like the cycle breakers mm -hmm. in how they're approaching that. And so I think a lot of people can relate if their parents listening to this, whether they, you know, were high performing children or not yeah. about how they don't want to share or sh that, you know, that feeling of unsafety that they had. Well, and I think this might be a slightly controversial take on the concept of trauma, but it's become such a commonly used term to describe challenging, you know, adverse childhood experiences yeah. and and some things that, yes, if it legitimately created a traumatic experience for you, that is valid. And I think it's interesting when, you know, all of us start to use that term to kind of try to explain like, oh, this is why, oh, this is why. And it becomes this catch-all term. In reality, I don't know a single human who won't have some kind of challenge growing up that will lead to things that need some healing. Like this is a part of the human experience. We have real humans trying to raise real humans and the attachment is not always going to be perfectly secure. The environment is not going to be perfectly safe. The life path is not going to be perfectly consistent and ideal for your optimized development. So resilience is a thing that we all have to learn. I just find it, it's like a, a fine line if we get too attached to kind of associating everything with trauma and forgetting like, I don't know, I guess it's, it's just naming that I'm seeing sometimes there's an overuse of it. And I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's very prevalent like on TikTok where yeah. people feel like they can come to unload almost like a free therapy session. And But I encourage, you know, okay, so if that, then what now? Heal. I think you're saying equal attention can also be chosen to look at how to heal from it rather than to kind of sit in it or how do you... Yeah, and I want to be careful not to, you know, I it's yes, hard. create the create the <laughs> yeah. space yeah. to come to terms in the at the pace that you're capable mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. doing and if possible at least orient yourself in the direction of developing resilience in a way where you can acknowledge that that happened to you and you can feel a bit more agency and empowerment in saying and now I'm consciously choosing to make the most of it and make the best out and of it, with it and to live with it, sure. to manage it and to move forward. Yeah. But of course, yes, like everyone's healing journey, it depends on where you are. If you're just encountering it for the first time, please like just take, take, take your time to peel back the corner one inch at a time. Don't even try to behold the whole thing. Like, well, and that's what I love about staying in touch with you and learning more about you. And I think what so many people are rooting you on for as well directly is like your stages of healing that you've mm. been very vocal about on your social media. 
I suppose I didn't intend to disclose this much of my personal experience, but my personality type, I suppose, is once I learn something, if I think it might be beneficial for someone else, I'm like, please empower the masses, right? Like, okay, if this was helpful, let's get this information out to more people. Of course, it's going through my filter, my bias, my own experience, but I suppose I just, I want and I need each of us to understand our mind-body connection, understand what it means to to grow and transform as a human so that we can show up in our lives and do, you know, contribute to the change that we often talk about we want to see in the world. Like, if you're going to accomplish these big things, then, like, we have to start with that self-awareness. And I think it's becoming more prevalent. It might be just my algorithm serving me more things from therapists because I follow mostly therapists. And that's also questionable too. Don't just trust things because someone says they're a therapist online. Like yeah. the infographics, I look at some things and I'm like, this is, I don't think this is a helpful really? take on. Yeah. Do you like report it or? No, I, I haven't thought to do that, but I did read a study recently that over 50% of content that talks about ADHD on TikTok has at least one piece of misinformation in it. Okay. Which is alarming because I've seen ADHD ads. Like ADHD treatments or something are are popping up all over. It's like the same sponsored ad for an ADHD medicine and I'm just like yeah. stop listening to my phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I I don't think I have ADD or ADHD. I haven't been diagnosed, although I will say that I probably check a couple of the boxes. Yeah. And it maybe it happens in varying degrees. I'm not sure. But it is concerning when we are spreading misinformation about something that can legitimately have a like severe impact on someone's understanding of themselves, their experience, even what they get medicated. Yeah. You well, know, there's a pipeline. Or prescribed. There's a pipeline. And we talk about pipelines as it has to do with this new podcast that you are launching, yeah. which I am so proud to have been asked to be a part of in a small way. In a big way. <laughs> yeah. In a critical way. Yes, please. All the time, every day. But like, it's funny because vulnerable is generally we talk about the journeys. And I feel like we did that on our first episode. And we talked a lot about your childhood and like, you know, how you came to the business and all that. I'm curious, like, what did that conversation do for you? You mean personally or like with us talking about it? I know you were already in the, you already were kind of doing your own work and you have your movement genius mm -hmm. and you have an app that you are constantly working on. And it's amazing because it's live and it's fresh and it's amazing stuff from amazing people like Monique Coleman. Mm -hmm. You have a doctor that you're working with. Oh yeah, lots of experts. Lots of experts. <laughs> and it's also pay as you pay as you can, right? It is, we have for the rest of the year, we have this. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. incredible holiday offer. It's only 10 bucks for an entire year access. That's great. Yes. So 
actually my co-founder and I were joking because Elon Musk just established this $8 a month blue check thing. for blue check <laughs> verification on Twitter. And we were like, so that's, you know, 90 whatever dollars a year. And our platform is $79 for having 200 plus mental health tools, weekly classes led by psychotherapists. And like, it's, it's like, what are the businesses that you're supporting doing it for you? Makes sense. <laughs> well, and also I've never been a big fan of Twitter. I've found it to be a very negative force in how I've ever tried to build my community on hmm. social media. So I don't know what it is about that community or the the energy flowing through there, but it's not it's not worked for me traditionally. It does seem like there was some kind of shift or a point where things became more critical, not in necessarily like a constructive way. Right. Whereas you think of communities on TikTok and for some reason, I don't know how they established this cadence, but have you noticed that comments on TikTok are like top notch? Oftentimes it's better than the content itself to just see people's responses and it's witty and it's like, thoughtful and it's of the zeitgeist and I'm thinking how did they manage to have some sense of the tonality in the comments because t that's for YouTube for Instagram like each platform tends to have certain tones in, crazy? in replies I find that crazy because like I grew up with no social media you know what I mean like yeah. I grew up 38 elder millennial and like basically I remember being at college and one of my girlfriends was like, hey, like there's this thing called Facebook, but you need to have a Columbia mm. um, email address. And I went to Barnard, so we couldn't get it because we didn't have a Columbia.edu. Mm. And so, and a couple of years later, it was like open to everybody. And it was like this huge thing. Yeah. It felt more like this elite club. 100%. To like be a part of and like network for. There was this thing called a small world, which was like Facebook for millionaires or some bullshit. Which was like, uh, I think, I feel like that was like the original Raya or something. Yeah, I was just thinking Raya. Which I never, I never had any online dating experience. Have you? I only very recently felt like, hmm, I wonder what all of these apps are actually like. Yeah. And so I looked for one that was also queer focused mm -hmm. because that's something that's just t tough to, you know, if you're looking at profiles and like I, I date guys, mm -hmm. but... I don't know. There's just a, kind of a different mentality and understanding if someone is comfortable with mm -hmm. and familiar with the queer experience. Absolutely. Even if they're straight and, mm -hmm. and cis and male. So then which one would you feel most comfortable using? I don't know all of the main ones. I went for like a niche small thing and I'm nervous to even say it out loud. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. We don't need to. You've been having an okay experience so far though. Well, you know what was sad is I realized immediately I can't put my name and my face on here unless I'm willing to take the risk of someone knowing because it on this one it shows your general location and I thought I have to make you sort don't have of a, to lie yeah I had to create an alias and then have a couple of conversations with people and then say okay I'm gonna choose now to share my real name mm -hmm. and you know because I'm learning like a lot of people expect like, well, what do you look like? And I understand. <laughs> I get it. But, you know, I'm like, ah, can I show you this? Yeah. And and if so, what else was in this message that you might screenshot and say, look who I 
was, you know, connected to on this app. So I kept it pretty contained, but I ended up meeting someone like right away. And it almost was like too good to be true because I hear just all of these horror stories on apps. I don't though. I hear people that have gotten married and they're happily married okay, from great. meeting online. Because I met someone and was like, this is wonderful. That's and amazing. like, you know, our paths have gone different ways, but it was oh, good. It was a really, it was actually legitimately a transformative experience just because I've haven't had that kind of ability to be public about my feelings. You know, it's always been like only date people in the industry or like don't tell anyone who you're dating. Like, I don't think anyone's really known all of these years if I've had a partner. And like, clearly I've been in, or not clearly, but I've been in multiple relationships, right. but everything's just so secret and so yeah. But are you making it secret? Do you feel like it's not something that you're trying? Because you mentioned before that you're not here for the tea. Right. So is that something that you feel like has been taken from you? Like the ability to showcase this side of your life? Is well, it something you want to show? I don't know that I want to because I tend to be more internal anyway with I'm not super expressive about my my personal life yeah. unless I feel like there's a, a reason to share and it could have a positive impact on someone or something. But I also, early on when I was seeing people and we were photographed together, you would see like articles come out or comments saying like, we're no longer supporting you because you're taken or like threats to my partners because someone thought that they were going to, to marry me and this now, was when you were a minor this is when I was a minor yeah so I guess some of that is just kind of residual trauma I think it's it informed my sense of not sharing yeah. things and and it was like hireability like I remember on so many different sets where people would be linked organically suddenly people are dating and they conveniently have a project that's also coming out soon and then like you know, other people, if they were considered a heartthrob, you better keep them single even if they're dating someone because maybe their fans will stop buying the music. Right. You know, because they're taken. Like, right. there were just all of these theories around, like, no, you should just create this image and stick within it. And then on top of just wanting to be private, I kind of have just, like, meh. Okay. But also, also, ah, the frustrating thing is on this app, I'm realizing in real time, like, oh, this is why I have never dated. Because the second you ask me about my background, if you happen to be someone who's seen the show, oh my gosh, I have to l relive this all over again. Well, and, and it also takes this otherwise. It shapes their perception of me. Yeah, it totally, yeah. I'm like, damn, I'm not a human you anymore. You need an older person who didn't watch your shows. Listen, <laughs> check. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a theory. My it's a theory, and it's been proven true in my experience. <laughs> okay, my husband had never seen anything that I'd yeah. ever done, so it was very helpful. Isn't it refreshing? And you're like, I just get to share with you my subjective lived experience of that matter, as opposed to this perception that might have been publicly circulating around a project. And that's why they say first impressions are everything. So if their first impression of you is from Camp Rock, <laughs> you're like, let's not. Like yeah. that's a, that's definitely a red flag. Well, and I I just in the person I was seeing, like they did have that moment of, oh my gosh, 
really? And then they were also doubtful. They thought they were being like catfished or something because that probably is random to be like, oh, this person I was watching growing up is now talking to me on this dating app. So I get that it could be awkward and bizarre, but I chose to like. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Get through that discomfort and give them a chance to see if they would still want to get to know me more authentically. But it's it's a mind game at that point because, of course, it adds some kind of intriguing mystery that you're like, ooh, I wonder what their home looks like. Are, are they a rich celebrity? And I'm like, surprise. <laughs> nope. <laughs> surprise. Like, surprise. I'm still driving my Kia. Yeah. 2011. <laughs> Needs new windshield wipers. <laughs> not so sexy, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a sexy teacher like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, I am mostly covered in like child dirt and all sorts of different things. I had to take my cat to the hospital the other day at midnight and it was Uh, bleeding and yakking on me. I mean, I'll take the hot teacher thing, okay? Yes. I'll take all the glamorous that I can get. It's just part of, it's my hubris. It's like, I need it. It's my Achilles heel, if you will. Like I, oh, I love. That. I don't I mean, mind a compliment. I'll take it. I'm a peacock. Please, you gotta fly. I love it. I don't That's think peacocks great. fly, do they? I actually can't verify. <laughs> I didn't go to school, so yeah, yeah, you know, because you know. All right, listen. This this concept of system of oppression it keeps coming back. I'm sorry. Pause. Can we just replay the last five seconds? <laughs> peacock. Okay, systems of oppression. <laughs> Like, no segue, just best hard-hitting. Next Allison's podcast ever. (laughs) No, but, I mean, Allison and I have this range of thought, which, like I said, is very singular to, you know, her and a few other folks that I am organizing and trying to pull into my life and manifest and eventually have a call to action for. Mm -hmm. And so we have this range of having levity amongst chaotic thoughts that are unpacking a lot of things, but there's a shorthand. And I think that's almost something that we don't discuss because we feel it and we can't really verbalize it. Mm -hmm. But what you're getting is sort of that you're getting that. But what we've been talking about is how to frame this, this experience that we've had. Yeah. And, you know, I had Blair Imani on not too long ago and it was really eye opening because Mm. her concepts of, you know, systems of oppression. It's not just, oh, it's not just democracy. It's not just, you know, the concept of race and gender and stuff like that. A system of oppression can be many different things. Hmm. And what it looks like is systemic. And when you talked earlier about all of the systemic things that come from it, you know, growing up in as a high-performing child, hmm. not just a famous child, but a high-performing child to me is fascinating because it's a kid that I went to school with when I was in New York, like professional children's school. And they had a protege violinists that were from Taiwan and left Taiwan so that they could be at our school. And then when they would go back, they were like on contract or like 
not even a scholarship, like their, their countries paid for them to go. Wow. And I think they were away from their families and I think they had guardians and stuff like that. And like, they were their country's greatest gift kind of thing, right? Wow. I had ballerinas, girls that would develop, you know, eating disorders at sure. a very early age because they were trying to get into the pipeline of the American Ballet Theater. And they went to School of American Ballet with me for a moment. And they all sort of had their own roads as well that were very stressful. Mm -hmm. You have kids like we had, I guess we had the Hilton sisters come and then they left because there were some issues with like substance abuse or so, I don't even know. We had a lot of kids come in and out that were from wealthy homes because it was a private school in Manhattan and then were transient and they were leaving because this school was almost like a place you would go as a as a pit stop, I guess, for those types of folks. Mm -hmm. And because maybe those kids were like, I do want to be an actor. I do want to be, you know, something. Okay. And so, you know, we had the Culkins were there, like the whole family even wow. the ones that didn't want to act, you know, like, but all of the drama that would come from the paparazzi hanging outside of the school. Oh, wow. And like asking students as they're walking out of the school, like, what oh, do you think about this? No. And then, you know, we had golfers and ice skaters and yeah. the inventor of Balzac. And like, we had the most amazing alumni, like our talent shows were insane. Mm -hmm. And I left because the reason why you go to the school like this is because they allow you to be getting a good education faxed to you. Sure. Or emailed. Yep. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's kind of what I was, that's what I was doing because education to me was important and I, I wanted a way out, I think, subconsciously, and college was my way out. Mm -hmm. So I knew, like, I wanted to stay rooted in the education. And so I worked really hard at, you know, graduating for high school. But mm -hmm. So high-performing children, and if we look at, like, the larger scale of what we're trying to say, it doesn't... Like, because sometimes mm. people will be like, when we talk about child abuse in Hollywood, they'll be like, but what about all the other children in the world? It's like, do you think we don't care about that? Like, obviously. Yeah, we this is just a vehicle to open a conversation to hopefully touch into all of these different industries or w ways in which, you know, children are exploited or experiencing abuse. Well, there's no blueprint. There's very little data. And so I think that's what's come from our conversations is that... How do we facilitate uh, a meaningful conversation with not just us and not just you at home who may not be affected by this in the way that we are, right? And saying to yourselves, because so many of the comments are like, how can I help? I've had a lot of social workers reach out lately. Mm -hmm. There's been people who are like clinical psychologists or PhD people, and they're like, how can I help? I'm doing my master's degree, and I'll do your research uh, for you. And we need a spreadsheet to track everyone. <laughs> And then, like, when we're ready to organize and mobilize, have everyone do their part and sharing with their networks. And now we're just planning in real time. But, yeah. Yeah. High-performing children, to me, is the net outside of the very small net of Hollywood mm -hmm. and New York and just SAG, I guess, actor mm -hmm. kids. Because also, too, we're not just talking about the famous kids. Right. I want to be very clear about the fact that for every Selena Gomez, there is, you know, 50,000. Yeah, easily. Young kids. Paying their SAG dues. Right. Okay, mind you, they're paying adult SAG dues to get adult uh, benefits mm -hmm. held to the same standards and rates. 
And so what SAG has done so far, to their credit, really, is they've created the Looking Ahead program, which mm-hmm. I've endorsed in the past and continue to. I'm now on the advisory committee, Woo-hoo. which just means that like I'm in the I'm on the emails, but best believe I'm gonna I'm gonna push my way in as much as possible. Yeah. SAG is growing in their understanding of this. Hmm. Um, and this program, I think, is 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 a really good sign that they care. Uh, yes. I choose to believe that at face value. Individuals, I'm sure, are more like invested in the day to day. Whereas mm-hmm. I think some people who are on like the executive side of it are, you know, they represent different companies and like they probably have their own interests and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when we look at like what we're trying to do and moving towards legislation or blueprints, mm-hmm. foundation, data research projects like these are the things that when you say well what can i do we've been asking ourselves this for decades now yeah and so what we're realizing is there are very specific things that we can start that may take time Mm -hmm. i'm in a different stage of my healing than allison is (laughs) yeah different maps you're only just dealing with your anger you said can we talk about that yeah i mean i've been allowing myself to encounter my anger and to unpack it and to let it surface for um several years now but i will say that it's i think maybe becoming more integrated into my day-to-day as opposed to being like oh sometimes this anger comes up and i go and deal with it over there but it stays over there now it's like I'm feeling those moments of someone just crossed my boundary. Like I didn't, I wasn't in touch with that enough to be able to even notice that a boundary was crossed, let alone voice it. So yes, I'm reaching a point now where I I feel more comfortable being assertive, naming needs, but yes, I still err on the side of like diplomacy. I'm like such a diplomat. That's why you need me. I'm your, I'm what they call your anger translator. Okay, you could be the anger translator, <laughs> but in the courtroom, I'm gonna do the talking. I'm okay. <laughs> Sit on my hands. <laughs> I love that. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll get us through uh-huh. what we need to do. If someone needs like the peacemaker, uh-huh. or not even just peacemaker, but also like good cop, bad cop. We need to no, not good and bad, <laughs> but we need someone who can stay measured. To, to get us through, but we also need someone who's like, that's not okay and it needs to change right now. Mm-hmm. Because without you, I might be too slow, but without me, something might explode. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, my reputation is extremely important for me to protect. We've, yes. We've talked about this, okay? Yes. So, so this is another thing that keeps coming up, okay? Do it. Corey Feldman. Oh, okay. Who we, yeah, so we love him. You know, I've met him. I feel for him. I've been playing with having him come on. We've got people that come up against people like him who have tried to go on TV and I guess like name names or not name names. And so many people look at someone like our recently passed Aaron Carter. Aaron was supposed to come on the show and did not show up. And it was devastating because I I felt like there was something brewing and my instincts were telling me, my, my really, like I had a really, really bad gut instinct about it. And so here we are, right? And I am trying to create this safe space without all of the sort of background and work that you have done and put the time in for. And I, 
I, I am finding that there's a learning curve for choosing these guests that come in mm. because the conversation reflects on, unfortunately, my reputation. Right, right. And my reputation is what I make my living off of. And it feels almost like what I imagine politicians go through in terms of strategizing. I'm going to be in that room with that person, but I'm not going to walk into this room or speak to this person because a clip could show up somewhere or someone could say they saw me and witnessed me being affiliated with someone and they've got this record from 20 years ago. And it's it's complicated because it would be nice to just humanize everyone. But if we're trying to accomplish some sort of you know, baseline. Yeah. If I need you to believe that I am credible or that I am worthy of respect, worthy of believing, then I have to become so specific about how I move through every interview. And so I think that's been frustrating for me because I do want to be able to show up and say like, yeah, if I wasn't here today, there would be no makeup on my face. Mm -hmm. But I look a lot more tired without makeup on my face. And if we talk about emotional things, it's easier for someone to comment and say, wow, they look like they're really coming undone these days, as opposed <laughs> to if I'm like, well, at least I have eyeliner on. And you like, if I'm sad, like it's almost a more acceptable version that won't get used against me in mm -hmm. the same way that it could if I was wearing sweatpants and not modeling a certain Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com persona. It's a war makeup thing. It's, uh, it's war makeup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, don't use the word. Don't use the word. But uh, no, for real, I think, you know, we are also very aware and we've spoken about this, about our privilege, our identity politics mm -hmm. that goes into the fact that, you know, we want to bring a lot of different people into this conversation. Yeah. Oh, can we, if it's okay to touch on this, and I think maybe you've encountered some of it as well, where you reach out to someone and they have notoriety, they're a public figure. Oh, yeah, please. And you hear them respond initially with, we totally support this cause and we love that you're doing this work and let us know how we can get involved. And then like a couple weeks later, you get another message that's saying, actually, I'm not ready to talk about this or I don't think I'm, I'm going to go on record sharing things yet, mm -hmm. um, but let me know if I can privately be supportive. And I hold nothing against someone for choosing to protect what they feel comfortable sharing. However, I've found that after Aaron's death, this part of me was like, you, me, and a small group of other people are like ready and able and willing to come forward. But we need more people to be willing to come forward. And people are afraid. People are maybe still in the thick of their own healing experience. So they don't really have any kind of perspective to offer other than like 
this is challenging right now. People, I think, are nervous that it'll affect, you know, the public's perception of them or maybe a studio's perception. They'll maybe yeah, not they're get hired. They're not insurable. They're, you know, hard to work with. It's that blacklisting concept that their agents and managers tell them, oh, don't, don't talk to this person, don't talk to that person. And that's why I think it's great that you know, I'm making a living doing sponsored content with big name brands. They don't have a problem with what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything but advocating for children's rights. Like, yeah. who well, would have a problem with that? Right, I know. <laughs> but I've just found that it's, I, I felt disappointed and I felt a little exasperated when Aaron's death happened. And then that same day, I got an email with one of our bigger guests who just for their own personal reasons said, I'm actually not ready to unpack this yet. And I, again, fully honor that. And I'm like, ah, man, please, like, please, people, be willing. I promise you, the way we're going about it is not to try and take a torch to- Not whistleblowing. Yeah, like, this is far more thought out in a way that's hopefully in service of everyone's well-being, like including the executives, including the crew, including the audience. Like we're trying to- It's a 360 approach. You know- your background, it makes sense. uh, I'm much more like all over the place with mine. So please make sure that you actually learn something from her podcast. But, you know, you mentioned projects too. Like we were recently approached to be a part of something that- was pertaining to minors in new media, right? Yeah. And we were going back and forth on what our take would be on it and like how we could speak to it. And I don't know if it made sense for our schedules, but because I think it was like in person and there was a lot going on. Yeah. But also too, I think we discussed like a lot of people who are also coming to talk to us are like, hey, can you do something about these vlogger kids? What are your thoughts on it? Um, and it is, it's hard for us to tackle everything all at once because right. the bottom line is that work needs to be done for those conversations to be had in the first place. Right. If you knew that the majority from a, from a, a research study that recently shows, right, frame it that way, that a majority of actors who were formerly child actors have suffered from depression and, you know, Substance abuse or something mm-hmm. like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you put your kid in the business? Why are we just now getting here, Christy? It seems like obvious question. <laughs> that, okay, uh, this is like a big cliffhanger. But I have been toying with just the concept of improving conditions. But simultaneously, I'm asking myself the ethical questions of, is there legitimately an ethical way to do this if all of these factors coexist. And I'm not sure. I don't know if kids working in the industry, because of the, like, if it were a different experience, sure. But with the current circumstance and current conditions and current system, can you justifiably say this is an ethical and healthy decision to make as a parent for your child? No. I'll say that as the parent in the room. <laughs> it's not ethical. Because I'm tr- I am not trying to make that case right publicly. I'm not trying to say, like, no one should do this ever because I don't think that that's going to stop 
anything. So I'm like, okay, let's think about it. Let's reflect and let's improve. But I'm, I've been asking myself more and more as I get in touch with my own anger and healing process of like, do I have agency over my decision to be in the industry? Was it really me? Was it my family? As I like come to terms with a lot of things, I'm like, uh-oh. I don't know. You're fucking angry. (laughs) But I'm also like, I don't know that there's a healthy way to to do this. That's okay. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I think what we're setting out to do is really great because it could save families. It could save siblings. Yeah. You know, I don't have a relationship with two of my three siblings. Oh, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And it's sad. My kids don't have cousins. You know, like there's there's real consequences yeah. to displacing your family at any stage, however yeah. old your kid is. Yeah. That is something that looking ahead, they talked about. And they do already kind of try to bring awareness about the displacement of the family and mm. how to cope with that. But um, data... It will be irrefutable. Yeah. And that is when I find those A-list people that we know were child actors and have suffered. And people are like, well, hey, you got to sit down with this person and that person. Their book's like, you know, amazing. And it's like, yeah, but they're not calling me back, dude. Right. Do you know how, you know how hard it is now to I, book these podcast guests? Yep. And I know that people said yes to me that have large things that have come out and then you know, I understand you concentrate all your effort on your own release. And then someone else says, hey, do you want to still talk about this? And you're like, no, I guess not anymore. Like, okay. But it's okay because we we're not taking it personally. And we're no. going to do the work yeah. regardless of whether you're on my podcast. Yeah. Totally. That's not going to stop. Yeah. So when they start hopping on, we'll do our best and we will not judge them. No, no. Because their experience matters too. Totally. And I understand that in their position in the industry, it's more strategic for them to leverage this kind of experience when it is in service of their overall career path. And I trust that people will use their platform. And I totally agree that having data to represent this more formally will make a substantial difference. And I look forward to that time. (laughs) Yeah, me too, because we're tired. And this is where we're going to close out with. And then I'm going to go and be a guest on her podcast, Yay! which I'm so excited about. Ask me questions because I always have to like listen and people are like, you interrupt too much and you got to listen. I'm like, oh, what's a conversation? I love talking to people. I don't get a lot of adult conversation. (laughs) How old are your little ones? Five and three. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, but spelling is a cool fun thing that it is i spell all the time now yeah especially s-a-n-t-a these days oh i have to like yeah i have to threaten them with him and it's bad (laughs) it's pretty standard i don't know how you do it i'm not having children for a lot of reasons and really more power to you my husband and i were talking about we're like she'd be a great mom my husband said that he's the most critical person on the planet that's very kind yeah i just want to take care of all the children who are already (laughs) already moving about the cabin and need some support Thank you so much for coming on again. And like, let's finalize it with a call to action and and anything else that you would want to say to the people that are listening. 
Because if they're still listening, they actually give a shit. That's true. Shout out and thanks. I think a call to action would be to track with this, similar to the Free Britney movement, where you sort of keep tabs on it and it becomes something that you check in on to see if there are new advancements. Because I think along the way over the next couple of years, there will be moments where you can sign a petition or you can use your voice in a certain situation. Show Um, up at a panel and show up. Yeah, right. Or like watch a documentary that does help unpack it further. So I think just like stay in the mix with us as a part of this collective team. And if you offer feedback, that's the call to action. And it's actually a request and invitation. Yeah. If you're going to add your opinion in this, please think about how you can do it constructively and compassionately and if you don't know something ask first like let's lead with curiosity because there are likely reasons we are going about things the way we are doing that you are not aware of and we can't explain everything in detail but like let's foster that kind of attitude towards this as Mm -hmm. opposed to just chiming in with opinions that might feel good to release in that moment, but like Mm -hmm. don't really move us forward. Or like asking for tea and details and yeah, like let's get deeper. Mm-hmm. Like the heart of this is to get vulnerable. What would it mean for even the comment sections to like instead of just the tea, really saying like, wow, this is hitting me in this interesting way. Let's dig a little bit deeper into it and participate a little more consciously. You know, because this is a blueprint for protecting children everywhere. It's yes. just in the beginning stages because it's our community. It affects our direct line of our community, and that's what we're trying to be active in our community for. Yeah. So yeah, we need a hashtag. That's the comment. That's the call to action. What's the hashtag? <laughs> we need the hashtag. And from the hashtag, who knows? We'll create. Maybe we'll create a foundation from that or something with that. Who knows? There's a lot of room. Oh. <sighs> I'm tired. Are you tired? <laughs> yeah. I'm well, give me your to, hand. To chill. I love you. Love you. We're going to do this. We got this. Yeah, we'll take it a day at a time, and we have each other. <laughs> True. Okay. If Thanks, nothing Allison. else, I have a sister. Yes, we're here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're figuring it out. All right. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> tears. Tears and cheers. I know. Tears. Okay. <laughs> Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham, and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.